0: Hi, I'm April.
1: I'm John.
2: And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. April, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug?
0: Uh, my name's April, once again, and um, I'm a park ranger and a mom. And the only thing I have to plug is seasons that aren't summer.
2: <laughs>
1: we need more of those.
2: And states that aren't California.
1: <laughs> that too. <laughs> Counterpoint. Uh huh. Sorry, I'm. I I get ahead of myself, but I have I have a thing or two to say about states that aren't California, but
2: okay. All right, let's hear it. Well, we're going to get to those. On oh, okay. on, on his second topic.
0: That's true. Also, um, today is Gemini's anniversary. Happy anniversary! Happy anniversary!
1: Happy anniversary, Storm <laughs> dancers That's right. That's Aww. so awesome.
0: Yeah. I'm, oh, and a clue as to who John is. John was at our wedding. Mm-hmm.
1: Ah, yes. That's uh. I, I was so we're like
0: a hundred other people. So
1: that's good. I can blend in, but little by little, narrowing down uh, <laughs> who who I. I mean, it's fine. I I, I I I have another clue though, which is that I was previously John of the Maryland Johns, but now I am John of the Commonwealth of Virginia.
0: Wait, is it really called the Commonwealth of Virginia? It is.
1: Uh, there, that's weird. There are only four. States in the Union that are actually officially called commonwealths. Virginia is one of them. I think another is Kentucky. And there's two others <laughs> that I'm not going to guess at right now.
0: <laughs> I'm going to guess one is Hawaii.
1: It's not. Oh. It's some. It's something in the eastern part of the United States. I think they're all okay. in the eastern part. But, I mean, here I am being part of a commonwealth and not knowing, like, deep commonwealth cuts. I mean...
2: You call yourself a commonwealther. I
0: bet you there are plenty of Virginians that don't know they're commonwealthers.
1: I mean, I've possibly. I, until, until, like, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get it wrong from time to time. I'll slip into calling it a state because, you know, shorthand for things. One thing I, another interesting fact about Virginia that I found while I was researching what it's like to live in Virginia uh-huh. is, um, do you know about the concept of independent cities? No. So an, so an independent city is a city that is not part of any county.
0: Oh. Okay. Yeah. That's
1: not as exciting as I was hoping for. It's not. But there you have it. Yeah.
0: This is sort of the opposite. But like there's the, there's all sorts of like little tiny rural pockets mm-hmm. in the Bay Area of like just these, these small areas that are just like, oh, hey, you're suddenly in farmland. And like they're just... Like what? Like what city are they? Like no one actually knows. They don't actually really have like a city name, because they're just kind of between cities. And like actually, my park is that way. <laughs> uh, the The campground, like our address, is technically Castro Valley, but we're like much closer to Oakland. Like as the bird flies. And like people wouldn't think that Oakland and Castro Valley touch, but they technically do in my park.
1: <laughs> it's like you're the intersection of all the yeah. all these things. Well, There's are, just
0: all sorts of stuff like that those, around here. Are those
1: called um like census-designated areas?
0: Oh, I think you're probably right. Yeah.
1: I feel I so I did a project a while ago that involved like health outcomes based on geographic location. And there was a lot of stuff having to do with like various county codes and other sorts of arcane ways of classifying different areas. And I remember seeing census designated area coming up.
0: Yeah. Like we live right near one. Um there's like the the road between where we live and the next uh city is just like I don't know, like eight miles of just like, here's you're in the country. No man's land. <laughs> and, and then suddenly you're, you know, like in a like very f- fancy a city, not the one we live in, the the one we're
1: closest to. It's like someone slipped <laughs> in between and just is like, "I'm. This is where my land starts."
0: Hmm. Well, I guess we're still just doing intro- introductions, aren't we?
1: It's all. Yeah. Well, I, I had one other other thing I was going to say about Virginia and independent cities, which is the independent cities that I know of are St. Louis, Missouri, Baltimore, Maryland, and then there's something like thirty five independent cities in Virginia. Oh. I don't actually know. I'm sure I could probably find out. I should, being a Virginian apparently.
0: So you guys are setting down roots out there, huh? Uh,
1: it certainly was not necessarily on on the like part of our original plans, but after, you know, I mean we we moved to this area about 2 years ago from California and after 2 years, it seems like things are kind of working out with our jobs and everything else and uh, you know, there's some, some things to like about, about wow. this area. So we just said, oh. I can't
0: believe it's been two years. I guess that's true. Cause you moved right before Winston was born.
1: I did. Yep. Um, it's, it's pretty wild. Just,
0: oh my God, that just makes me so sad. It makes me miss D and D so much. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, me too. I was, I was actually thinking about this recently. Cause I, I started a game with my former coworkers. I think I, I might've talked yeah. about it before. And then, um, since we've all been kind of cooped up for the last several months, it, it just kind of fell off and, I had entertained the idea of doing a remote session or something like that. And sadly, I just could not get it together. And I'm, I'm thinking about it in terms of like, that was a thing, that was an experience that I had that is in the past. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's okay to be thankful for that thing that was in the past and, and let it be something that is a memory. And But it's, it, I mean, it's hard to do because like, likewise talking, you know, the, the, the campaign that I was running for you and all of our various people, like, that was really exciting. And I loved it a lot. And I thought it was, uh, there was a lot of great things that were happening and a lot of excellent writing. There was emotional arcs. Um, yeah.
0: It, there, it was really, it was very powerful.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, a, I'm excited to hear that. And I, and I feel like the the fun thing about it, too, is that I feel like we reached at least some kind of a, like, conclusion with it, too. Because that's, that's the thing that really bums me out is when like, there's, there's still things to explore and, and like the emotional arc has not, uh, has not resolved. (laughs) Right. It's like when you only watch the first two Lord of the Rings movies, you don't get to find out what happens.
0: It's true. Jim, are you going to introduce yourself?
2: (laughs) I, this might be the first time I've introduced myself on this podcast.
0: Well, better late than never.
2: I'm Jim. I uh, I make video games. I um, I'm going to plug. I just shipped uh, Frog Fractions Game of the Decade Edition.
0: Mm -hmm. You should buy Hop's iconic cap.
2: Then and the 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 suspiciously expensive Hop's iconic cap DLC. Yeah,
1: it's a a really good cap. I mean, I mean, it's the best cap
2: I've ever seen on a frog. People love
0: this cap. Yeah,
1: iconic is really the best way to describe it.
0: Did you did you play the with the with the cap on? Job? Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Oh I, good. I, good. Um,
0: did you play test?
1: I I did very briefly at the very very end, like shortly before. I think it was like I don't think I I provided any useful feedback other than this is this is good. I like it. This is a great <laughs> cap. Well done. But I also since it has been released, I have I have played through it, and um I I think I may have like stopped short. Just before the the finish, finish, finish of it. Ooh, huh. you should keep going. I well, I mean, when I'm not having to fix my entire new house, and I have free time again. <laughs> that's that's fair. It is fair.
2: Uh, yeah, I know about not being able to have hobbies. That's a mood.
1: <laughs> we uh, so we have a giant, big, big, big deck, and um, it requires some new paint, and so. The other day, we thought, oh, let's paint this deck. Why not? Get it knocked out. And then thinking it was going to be a perfectly lovely clear night. And then as we were wrapping up, we heard thunder. And then clouds rolled in. And just there was a giant burst of rain for about 15 minutes. And then it just went away. And then all the work that we had done on the deck was kind of just wiped out. Um, So that's what I'm doing instead of playing video games, (laughs) is doing the deck again. Ouch.
2: This yeah. is what tarps are for.
1: That's uh, true. I mean, I mean, there, there has to be a better solution. Talk about being spoiled by California weather where it's just like, it's just going to be sunny for forever. There's not going to be any rain.
0: And then there's going to be literally 10,000 lightning strikes and they'll start <laughs> fires all over the state and everyone will die from smoke inhalation. Did
1: anyone check to see if, like... Aliens were being summoned up from beneath the ground, or like elder gods, or wild
0: storm. I've lived here my entire life. I've never, like, literally, this thunderstorm went on from like 3 a.m. until like 11 (laughs) a.m. Jeez, it's I've never seen a thunderstorm last for more than an hour.
1: Well, like, I feel like I saw mostly footage of lightning strikes, like, out over Monterey Bay.
0: Oh, it was everywhere. It was like, there was at some, at, for a while there, it was right on top of our house, so much so that the windows were rattling in their frames. Gosh. There were car alarms going off, like it was everywhere. It was just a huge storm all over the entire bay. The pictures over the Monterey Bay are just like really cool because there's an ocean involved.
1: Mon- Monterey Bay is very cool, so. And it was dark and spooky, so. Mm-hmm. Well. Here I am complaining about a deck and... Oh, no. M- meanwhile...
0: That would be really annoying if I did all that work and then it literally washed away. I'd be annoyed. I would be like, fine, deck, I'm just going to break you. And then I would get the sledgehammer out and then I would have regrets.
1: Yeah. That, I mean, the good news is I don't have to get it done before the weekend because I have people coming over because I don't have anyone coming over because no one can come over. <laughs> That's true. Hey. Hey. hey But But uh, <laughs> here we are. I mean, the good news is... You know, podcasting, spending <laughs> spending time with friends, <laughs> yeah, late at night, news. deep in the basement. <laughs> I have a basement now. That's pretty cool. It's like a nice, a nice. Basement. I'll have to at some point. I will have to like once we get everything set up. I'll do some sort of a video tour.
2: I haven't had a basement in decades. I miss basements.
0: Yeah, you would definitely have like have your lab in the basement if we had a basement.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, if we ever end up moving to the East Coast, we'll try to get a place with a basement. Nice do
1: it. The thing that that blew my mind the other day, I was looking at a map of where I live, which is, you know, fairly close to Washington, D.C., and I zoomed out, and sometimes I forget that Northern Virginia is its own little thing that is a very teeny tiny piece of a gigantic uh, area of land.
2: Called North America.
1: Called North America. Well, the Commonwealth of Virginia is – it's – it's quite a long boy as well, and um it goes very far away, and it takes a long time to drive across it and It's weird to me to think that like to just look at a map and, and think, "Oh, I live in Virginia, and then there's just there's all of the rest of this entire state to Commonwealth to deal with anyway.
0: we should do a topic
2: uh, John hasn't introduced himself yet. oh
1: shit I'm John. <laughs> The end.
2: <laughs> you're not, you're not going to plug anything?
1: Um, I would like to take this opportunity to plug the video game that Jim has just released. <laughs> okay, all right. And the DLC, which is very good, which I bought for many of my friends. <laughs>
2: Oh! Oh! Wow! Thank oh, you. Oh, that's so nice. Of course. I
1: mean, gotta 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 go spread the good word. I,
2: sh- I should do that for my friends. I didn't even think of that. And all our listeners should do that for their friends. Yeah. yeah. What are you wait, waiting
1: for? It's a beautiful.
2: Wait. Cap. If I buy it for
0: my friends, I'm just taking money away from myself. I'm just giving mm. money to myself.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: right, right. You need to start a charity drive. <laughs> <laughs> to what if buy? It? Yeah.
1: Is there a function within Steam or? whatever other platforms it's on to like gift it to a random person who has it on their wish list.
2: I don't know if you can just give to someone on their somebody on their wish list. I think you have to give it to a specific person.
1: No, I'm I'm saying like is the, is there something where is there any kind of like matchmaking where it's like I want oh. to gift a game to someone who I don't know. And they say, well, okay, like if I want to give this particular game to someone who has it on their wish list, can you just find me someone who has it on their wish list and then give it to them? I
2: Yeah, I don't think there's anything like that in, as part of Steam, but that sounds like a lovely charity.
1: I'm actually a little surprised that something like that doesn't exist. Maybe it does and we just we just don't know about it.
2: Oh, it's totally possible. Yeah.
1: Anyway, give this game to your friends, everyone. Please do it. It's very good. I like it. And I'm John <laughs> and I live in Virginia. <laughs> That's my introduction. Let's do a topic. (laughs) (laughs) All
2: right. right. April, your topic is climate-aware architecture.
0: Yeah. um, So the reason why this came up is because we just lived through a hellscape of, like, two horrible weeks of heat. And I feel like Corona and, like, COVID plus heat plus fires plus, like, not even – literally not even be able to go outside because the smoke is so bad has just made this, like – very unique very californian form of hell <laughs> you know and like right now louisiana louisiana is going through their own version of it because of you know the hurricane like theirs is a very wet hell and so i started reading a little bit like i mean this is something that's been inter- that's interested me um for a long time is that our ancestors they knew how to build homes to create like optimal uh like comfortability and then last century we were like well let's build track houses instead because Uh. we can just use a heater and an air conditioner right and so because of that like things have changed a lot um and so i was doing some like research about it and i found like a really good thread on twitter about it and the interesting thing is just like that Back in back in the day, our, our ancestors in, in these in like hot climates, they would build really, really tall um, ceilings, like twelve foot high yeah. rooms because heat rises and that helps the, the heat the heat rises and then it can dissipate out of like sometimes they use skylights, sometimes they um, like the Japanese liked to have these like really long um, homes where like the, the prevailing winds would be able to literally just go through the entire house because they had like doors that were all like lined up. So a breeze would continually like cool a home down during like the hot Japanese uh, summers. And our ancestors also used like natural materials which they used because that's the only kind of materials they had (laughs) but the, the, um, (laughs) the upside to using natural materials like wood and stone and um, brick and clay and dirt is and the um, bones
2: of your enemies, And the bones
0: of your enemies, of course, is that they um, help regulate humidity much better than synthetic, like plastic materials um, do. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And like on the, you know, on the, on the, the converse of, of hot climates, there's cold climates you know, in Scandinavia, they would build really low ceilinged homes and they would use uh, materials that were really good at like keeping heat in. Uh, and then it's just the, the same sort of concept, but, you know, in the reverse. You know, I, I I'm I might be weird, but I spend a lot of time, like maybe not a lot of time, but like a lot of times when I'm like driving to work, I'd be like, hey, wouldn't it be nice if I like won the lottery? Which, you know, you have to pay the, like, play the lottery to win. So, there's a problem with that. But, um, and then I think, you know, ah, man, then I would be able to build my dream home. And I'm like, and then I think about, what would my dream home be? And so, I think about that a lot. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think is really, like, important to me is just, like, being as, like, not just eco-friendly, but, like, eco-smart, you know, as possible, there's really interesting ways to, like, cool and heat homes using, um, like, thermal energy. Like, th- you can mm. dig these, like, enormous... Um, what's the word? Not a tunnel. Pit. Pit. That's not really the word I'm thinking of. Well. It's kind of like a well. Um, to But, it, like, they're used to bring cool air up from the ground when it's when it's hot and warm air from the from the ground when it's cold um, wow. in your homes it's called like thermal heating i think it's called and just you know i, I think about those sorts of things a lot um because i do, you know it's not it's just a, such a, it's such a waste of energy to use an air conditioner when we can just design our homes in, in such a way that we don't need to, you know, and it's a waste of energy to use a heater too. Like we don't need to do this, but, and we know how to build in, in such a way that, you know, we can even prepare for future climates, but we're not, we're not doing that as a society. We're just building horrible track
2: houses. Yeah. Uh, the downside of the um, architecture, climate control via architecture is that as the climate changes, it's gonna start being wrong over time. Like yeah, you look at um in in London, they have very old buildings there that are built to keep the heat in and That's in true. the summer it's insufferable because it's just so hot now.
0: That's true. Yeah, well, that's and well, in that case, that's when we need to like not just build for now, but build for the build for the future, right? So then we start taking because uh, like we can start learning from Japan. They have incredibly hot summers mm-hmm. and really cold winters.
1: Can attest.
0: Can we just build like them instead? Like they they figured it out.
1: Yep. <laughs> I do miss the feeling of tatami mats for the floor. Yeah, that was something that. So when when Nan and I were living in Japan, we were in this apartment that had. I think it had two tatami rooms. So, they just have these these like tatami mats, these straw mats and that's, that's just what the floor is and you just have to kind of not spill anything on it and- If you spill anything, you have to throw away the whole house. I mean, you got to start over. But the funny thing about that is that there there were also tatami bugs that would come out during certain times of year where you'd actually have like, you might just be walking around and you'd see this small bug that is like, this was in your in your floor that you're walking around on.
2: I'm definitely desold on these mats now.
1: <laughs> you said,
0: says the guy with lots and lots of bugs in his game. Yeah, that was
1: Rachel's <laughs> idea. <laughs>
0: okay, that's fair.
1: <laughs> so, okay, sorry. Talking about bugs again, actual bugs coming out of the floor. Um, going back to climate-aware architecture, it's almost like there's some sort of... It's like you, you learn to accept that in some situations you're just going to have... Bugs in the floor. And that's just the cost of having these cool mats on the floor. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, you just kind of factor it in.
0: Like, we have spiders and we just live with them. It's the same
2: concept. Yeah, it fucking sucks.
1: (laughs) Whoa.
0: But we didn't move out because Uh, there's a spider. There's spiders everywhere.
2: Right, just if we could throw away these rugs and get rid of the spiders, I would do it in a heartbeat.
1: (laughs) But see, okay, I thought that spiders are mostly just very nice. To the point where I remember, I forget who said it, but someone was in our house at some point, I think it was in California, and someone said, oh, do you have a spider problem? Because there was like a web. And I said, no, I have a spider solution to a bug problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
1: kind of just how I like to to frame it. But also, this this may be a deep cut, but did I ever tell both of you about the tortilla mouse? Oh
2: my God sounds delicious.
1: I want to
0: hear this story.
1: <laughs> or the goober mouse for that. The tortilla mouse is, okay, anyway. I've got many mouse stories, but I'll, I'll tell one of them. So, um, this is another clue to my identity. Jim and I used to live in the same house together.
0: Dun, dun, dun. It's true.
1: But one of the roommates that we had before, Jim, was uh, became very frustrated because he was aware that there was a mouse in, in the house and that, that freaked him out. What, what The way we found out about this is that there was a bag of tortillas that was like sitting on a counter, but kind of had something else on top of it. And mm-hmm. that bag had been there for a, at least like six months or something, like a very long time to have tortillas anywhere. And this uh, this this roommate of ours went to lift up whatever was there to finally have one of these tortillas after six months. And the bag had been cleverly chomped away and there was a perfect little burrow where a mouse had gotten up on the counter and was just like making that a home, just living inside of this room. Yeah, oh,
0: that's so sweet. And,
1: and, and it's really great, right? I mean, it's very sweet. This, this mouse wasn't bothering anyone, just like, oh, there's tortillas here, there's warmth, climate-aware architecture. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, in, internally we were, we were kind of saying, well, yeah, I mean, there's a mouse, but like it's the one mouse and it was probably here before we were here. Like we're getting in the way of of the ecosystem of where this animal has come in to find warmth and 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 be cozy. So like, if we have to leave a bag of tortillas on the counter so that this a a single mouse will just live in it rather than going and going into our bedrooms or anywhere else. Like, okay, that's that's a sufficient sacrifice. Just like
2: if you could sign a contract with the mouse and the mouse would stay in the tortillas and yeah. not. Get into everything else too, or breed. Yeah, the breeding is the thing you need to really worry about.
1: Right. Well, we never had any problems with mice after we got cats. <laughs> yeah.
2: But there's a similar story about I think it was your old roommate. Did he have a cat?
1: No. Uh the first because cats- there was
2: like there was like cat food under the kitchen sink from before I moved in. Oh,
1: yes. So, before you moved in, we had a we had a couple of roommates. I think there were like three people that we ended up living with before you came to live with us. And the first person who was there had two cats at okay. first. And then – So, this
2: is ancient cat food.
1: Ancient cat food.
2: Did you eat it? No, just Avel and Dono. Like they, they discovered it one day. They're like, <laughs>
1: oh, this is this is clearly a very stale candy for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there were cats at one point, and then when our that person moved out and our other guy moved in, then then the mice came back. It's like, oh, finally, I can I can breathe again. I can walk around and go have my tortillas in peace. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so it's just we still tell these stories about like sometimes you just have to provide an offering to this this creature which could be much more destructive to your home but if you just give it the one thing it'll do it, it'll do less damage by just remaining this
2: yeah
0: i have an almost tortilla mouse story oh, tell me about
2: it let's hear it
0: so i'm a park ranger and i used to work um at a at a lake that was super popular for like weekend barbecues and there was one, you know, like Saturday night, you know, we're we're doing the closing shift, which is just going to every single trash can and, you know, pulling the liner and putting a new liner in and throwing it into the garbage truck because we had an actual garbage truck that's how much garbage this park generated. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was pretty cool because I got to ride around like hanging onto the side of the garbage truck like the garbage truck of old in our youth did. <laughs> um, yeah, and I like got to use like the hydraulic like smashy thing and everything, so it was fun.
2: Do you dispose of any
1: bodies?
0: Uh, no, not that I know of anyways.
1: Okay. I was going to um, say that you know of.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You never know. Um I remember it was like almost, it was like sunset and I'm, you know, tired and hot and throwing garbage into this garbage truck. And, and then I just hear this squirrel yelling at me and, and I'm just <laughs> like, what? why is this squirrel yelling at me? And I look up and there's, you know, I'm like right by a, like an oak tree. And the squirrel is, like, right by my head, like, in the, the crotch where, you know, like, two branches kind of, mm. you know, are growing out from each other. Um, and the squirrel is just sitting there yelling at me. And in its little, it's sitting on its, like, butt in its little hind legs. And in its little hands, there is a freaking corn tortilla. And I swear to God, he was, like, spinning it in a circle and <laughs> nibbling the edge and shouting at me because I was too close to him. <laughs> And it was so cute and I just wanted to sit there and watch this this squirrel eat this tortilla but I had to work so I just oh, I took a nice in. like mental picture of it and and enjoyed that moment of of being scolded for being too close <laughs> to this squirrel's delicious score.
2: Yeah, you want that tortilla, I can tell.
1: <laughs> the way I'm envisioning this, I'm imagining the the squirrel Spinning this around, not unlike one spins the dough of a pizza, just like I'm imagining, him just like tossing it into the air and just That's jabbering good. at you. And
0: but it was more like spinning a steering wheel, right, right,
1: right, right. Just yeah. Maybe I'm thinking more of like a sign spinner.
0: Oh yeah, it was it was it was a bit like that for sure.
1: Just like flipping <laughs> it around the back and just yeah. yeah, tossing it up into the air.
0: It was kind a very of, ratatouille
2: moment. Oh. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Yeah. Uh John, your topic is on Dungeons and Dragons, focusing on the characters versus focusing on the story.
1: Yeah, so this is something that I have I've thought about this a lot because I, I think there's I feel like there are some entrenched schools of thought about the right way to play Dungeons and Dragons or the right way to create a a your own campaign or something like that. And mm-hmm. And I, I, it seems to me like the debate kind of goes around the idea of, well, there's, there, I guess there's a few aspects of it. One is, are you trying to write this story with this world and your players just kind of interact with the thing you have already set up? So, you can kind of drop in whatever characters you want. It's it's player agnostic, right? Whoever's there, you this world already exists. The things that are going to happen according to how the story is unfolding is just set up and then the characters just go in and kind of react to it and you've told basically the same story but there's you don't need to be very specific about the characters but what i have tended to do when i have run indie games is i try to do some character work with the players in advance to the point where it's like write me a a short story about like something important about your character and, and what are they, what do they want? You know, so there's a whole session that's just spent like, what is this person about who's about to do this? And you do that individually with each person? Sometimes. I mean, I'm trying to. April, did
0: you did that with me? Yeah, that's
1: right. And we, it was just you in the in the room at the time, right? Like we didn't have the other players, so I kind of did that separate. And then you all, oh, your character also joined like after the other ones had already kind of been doing some stuff, as I recall.
0: Yeah, because I think I missed the first yeah, session. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So so that's to me that's a really exciting and fun thing to do because what i, I what i what i'm trying to get to with this is that like the thing that excites me is knowing what the characters are kind of about and knowing what they want and then creating situations in which those characters have something to play against and so yeah. so like the idea of like i know who your various family who this character's family members are and so as a result i'm going to bring them in at opportun- you know when it best suits the narrative that we're trying to do and uh, see how your character reacts, see how you respond. And uh, I, I, I feel like that's kind of a more challenging way to approach it because uh, again, with that, like there's a lot, it's, it's hard to reuse. If you write an entire narrative that has to do with this character finding their parent, it's not as easy to kind of take that same sort of material and just adapt it for some other character who has different desires and everything else.
0: I think that's really just a sign of a good storyteller because if each character has like actual, like each player character has actual like stakes in the game, Mm -hmm. then they're going to be a lot more invested. I know that like I, I was super invested in our campaign because it was, you know, something that I, I had a big part in shaping. Yeah. You know, we all did to, to a lesser, greater degree. I feel like I had a, really big part in shaping our campaign, but that could be just me having a very self-centered view of the world. Because <laughs> I'm a human being. Um.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, to, to that, like, I think um, one of the reasons, like going back to, you know, I don't necessarily want to do a whole post-mortem about our campaign, although like I could at some point, but yeah, like I, w- I think what was really cool is that because your character was so realized it was easier for me to kind of build scenarios that would play to the things that I knew about your character, that your character would be interested in, in accomplishing and interested in exploring. And and like I was with, you know, some of the other players too, um, where, you know, we had like a whole family drama thing that resulted in a really dope encounter that I loved on that ship, that, that luxury liner with the, the bard who could create an anti-magic field. And so you had to like follow the bard and not get blasted by all these spells while you're oh, yeah, trying to that fight. That
0: was so cool. Yeah. Like that.
1: I, I was thinking about that the other day. I'm just like, that was like a really amazing encounter and it it wouldn't have happened if I didn't know that, that the the person who's responsible for putting them in, in this is someone's father. And this, uh, this friend who, who they mentioned in, in a, you know, a one-off thing about describing what their character's into becomes this, you know, incredible force that helps everyone and and has this really satisfying resolution. Um, anyway, I, I I just I I'm wondering if if there are any other like any, if either of you has any other thoughts about like the idea of crafting something for specific people versus having your world and the world persists no matter who's in it and things can happen, but the, but you know, the narrative of the world is just kind of static in that way.
0: So, I I mean, I've, I've enjoyed writing on and off um, my whole life. I probably don't really, I don't really write very much anymore. Probably D and D was the most writing I had done, you know, or like development of like character and place that I had done in a long time. But I always, always, always had trouble with, actual plots. Mm. I was always very great, like, good at, like, creating characters and I was also good at creating spaces, you know, like, atmosphere. But, I was always just like, man, what's, What's gonna happen? I don't know. <laughs> you know, like so. I always just like write these kind of like mood pieces that don't re- like where nothing really actually happens.
1: <laughs> I mean, see, that's that's the kind of D and D campaign I want, where it's just like a hangout campaign. You have yeah. these characters, and they yeah. just
2: yeah. kind of just, just all sit around a table eating Doritos. Exactly. <laughs> I, I do think that it's a pretty feasible way to build a story to start with a particular seed of a scene. Mm like a, dr- a particular dramatic moment and build outwards from there. Mm, yep. Uh, I wrote, did you read my essay about how I built the story of the hat DLC?
1: Yeah, that was, it was very intriguing, especially like seeing how, how you used to kind of approach those things and then what, you, what you learned and how to, how to build from there. So I'm going to plug the other thing, which is go read Jim's essays about the hat DLC. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: John, you're such a good friend.
2: Or maybe I'm so good at making stuff.
1: Oh my God. I mean, you're pretty, You're very good at making stuff, Jim.
2: You can't cancel me. I'm a CEO. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> is that what's his name? Zacconi? Oh, no. King I'm, I'm
2: okay. Jim Stormdancer, the CEO of Twinbeard Inc.
1: Oh, okay. It's not
0: an
2: ink. Is it is there? an ink.
0: Oh, my it's bad. technically an ink. Appar- I don't know anything about this company that I own half of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jim, are you, you're not an S Corp?
2: I am an S corp,
0: so you can't be an Inc. and an S corp.
1: I
2: think an Inc. Well, that's the suffix that was on the paperwork that I have. Okay, then I guess you can. And I've been filing taxes as an S corp for five years, so I better be an S corp.
1: <laughs> Someone made a mistake, and you've just been rolling with it, and no one's caught on yet.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I I think that you do, you have a really good way of um of building stories, John. Um, I thought that you were able to take all of our kind of disparate ideas and really like ground it into this like mystery of the ultraviolet city.
1: Oh yeah. Which was
0: just so good. It was so (laughs) weird and it was so everything that I wanted. So keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. Don't worry about being able to like, I think that you don't need to worry about being able to like bring random other people into, into that campaign because you're you're going to you're going to do a fine job of doing that because it's fluid and you're fluid and you know it, it it can adapt to to any number of different crazy characters that people can come up with
1: Well, I do appreciate that. And I I think um it it's heartening to hear that and um I I reflecting too on just like one of the things that I that I like about D&D generally is the sense that it is friends coming together to collaboratively tell a story that we're all kind of inventing. And we're all mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. you know, it's just, it's improv. We're all kind of coming up with things we want to do and and how it's going to work out. And my some of my favorite moments in any of the campaigns are just when a player does something that I'm not expecting.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and then it's just like, okay, cool. Let's Let's find out what happens together. You know, like I, I don't know, it's gonna be good.
2: Yeah, Conan O'Brien has talked repeatedly about how his favorite moments doing a talk show are when uh, there are drastic fuck ups <laughs> because it's the only moment in his life that's unpredictable. Yeah, good stuff. Just that's good just stuff.
1: Wing it. Go in. Know know who the people are and just uh, let them react to stuff.
0: All right. Why do people say, "Ah" after taking a drink Jim.
2: So, so the listeners know this is a topic. Ah. this is not something my wife is just saying out of the blue, but it's both okay
1: so i I saw this, and I have a um I actually have a beverage with me, and I was thinking I could do a test and see if I am compelled to say "Ah" after I take a drink
0: all right let's Stan- let's hear stand
1: by I mean. That felt natural. I I think the thing... Okay. So, using this single test case... I f- did you just do it too? I did. There you go. So, my experience of it just now is th- I think there's something about your mouth is normally very warm and when you drink something cold, it cools down your mouth very quickly and mm-hmm. then when you open your mouth to breathe out, you get the sensation of a little bit of cool air passing over the the various nerve endings around your inner mouth area and that's mm-hmm. where the the joy of the <sighs> comes from
0: mm, i like that my, my theory is that it just it just feels right
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> winston loves doing it
2: winston does it but i'm not sure if he learned what? it from us of course he learned it from us okay so it's a the, the uh, is a social construct
0: that's Everything is a social construct Besides like <laughs> pooping and peeing So
1: <laughs> Pooping and peeing are social constructs
2: witnessed our child Grow up from being a basically Helpless blob uh-huh. um, It gave me some Really strong perspective on what Parts of humans are Learned and conscious And which parts are not uh-huh. So for example like he couldn't like You know reach out and drink A soda when he was first born, but he could uh, wreck the shit out of a sneeze, like <laughs> mm-hmm. no problem. Blinking, he's got that down. Mm-hmm. Breathing, he didn't blink very much at first.
0: Don't you remember? <laughs>
1: I don't remember that.
0: Yeah, they like hardly blink at all when they're little.
1: Yeah, it's like open they're the weird. open the lids, close the lids, open the lids, close the lids. Got to show him how it works.
0: Yeah, uh, now he can reach for a soda and say Sosa. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Sosa. we 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 mostly have Always. like
2: so- yeah, please, Sosa. Uh, we mostly have uh, La Croix in the house, mm-hmm. flavored seltzer. But that's
1: what I'm drinking re- right now.
2: Recently, yeah. recently we Cook. had Pepsi. Oh, oh no! And he loved the Pepsi he for some it. for some reason. <laughs> was really into the Pepsi and was really fixated on the fact that it was brown. Oh, yeah. He would be like, Sosa,
1: brown. <laughs> <laughs> tripping out on his own sensory experiences.
0: (laughs) Oh, he's so good. He loves drinking from cups, like
2: open cups so much. He'll drink any fluid from an open cup.
0: Any fluid.
2: How's
1: his balance? Does he need sippy cups still? He's really good
0: at it, but then- like, when he's done with it, he'll just, like, fucking throw that shit across the room. <laughs> or, or, or deliberately,
1: or deliberately it. Or deliberately
0: throw And then he'll dump it and he'll say, dump.
1: Dump. Oh, man. Just <laughs> just real good, honest mischief there. Oh, just yeah. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: that's, that's delightful. But so, what, what you're saying is that the idea of saying, ah, after taking a drink is is a learned behavior like it's not so it's not something I, that's that he what I'm trying to figure on, his, out. on his own
2: so I, I, I googled it and here's um, an answer by du- Peter Dulwich who is a former lifeguard <laughs> he says it is a natural bodily function that stops people filling their lungs with fluid humans cannot breathe and drink at the same time or they will drown sometimes <laughs> when someone is really thirsty they take a deeper breath which allows them to drink more he actually says which allows them can drink more, but <laughs> <laughs> the deeper the breath, the louder the ah. Which it seems like very much like a, that's a that's a folk explanation, even though it's painted as very definitive.
1: I, I was going to say like to me, this sounds like someone whose livelihood is based around breathing function, breathing. and so yeah. as a result, like everything, <laughs> yeah, like right. when you when if you all
0: you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail,
2: everything looks like a thumb.
1: Just every ex an explanation for anything that happens involves the different sounds you make while you're breathing. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, excuse me. Oh.
2: See, our son could definitely yawn. <sighs> That's true. As an infant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well the question is, was the yawn a learned thing? He couldn't burp. Oh no. I you had have to burp him. Kind of show
0: remember? Oh. Yeah. Like he couldn't burp by himself.
2: We had to smack the burps out of him. Yeah. Shape up, kid. He could barely even drink.
1: These are these are basic functions that he needs to, I mean, come on, get it together, Winston. He's much better at burping and drinking now.
2: Oh, he's so good at both now.
1: <laughs> he burps like his mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, then the concern is, pardon the door, but so we have a security system. Every time we open a door, it beeps. Not sure how to turn that off. Um, sorry. It sounds horrible. It. I mean, it could be better. Um, it is It is what it is. Bought a house. What am I doing? Um, anyway, uh, so, yeah, Win- Winston making noises, though, um, and these behavior. I mean, like, is this the kind of thing where he didn't know how to burp, and then so you had to help him, and now he knows how to burp.
2: We brought up the whiteboard and made some diagrams for him. Yeah,
1: and, and now it's going to be like he takes such joy in the burps that, you know, it's to the point where he burps very loudly in front of you, and then makes a, you know, does the breath so it gets across the table and just like the, the aroma gets to you like, and then he delights in the fact that he's grossed you out. Like
0: <laughs> he, he hasn't figured that out yet. He hasn't
1: figured out. Okay. I was going to say like, I imagine very soon it's going to be, he's going to learn, he's going to learn that when he grosses you out by making various bodily noises, those are the times when uh, you are the most reactive and therefore he does them all the time. Mm-hmm. That's the hope.
2: Maybe. (laughs) He'll be there soon, I'm sure. He's already doing that sort of thing. Like when he wants our attention, he'll come over and close our laptops.
1: Ah, so good. Oh, man. What a, what, a, what a gentle a I, I
0: like boy. never use my laptop And today I was tr- trying to f- like do my time card for work Because I fucked it up before I left um, and He just like came right over And just like slammed it down I was like this a serious this?
2: power move
0: It was such a power move And I was just like completely unprepared for it Like my hands were like in there Like <laughs> sandwiched between the screen and the keyboard
1: It's like it's really hard to argue with that Like it's just it really it's- very definitive.
0: And then he like reached his little hand inside and started like pressing buttons even while the screen is like down. He's like smash, 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 smash.
1: <laughs> this is what I think about you trying to do your timesheet. <laughs> it's
0: like Winston, come on, kid.
1: Very exciting to hear stories of your of your child.
0: Are you guys are You guys ready for another topic? That's my line. Yes. You, you, we can yeah, we yeah, can I'm, do it again. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Are you guys ready for
1: another topic? Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Let's go for it. Uh, So
2: this is a write-in. Miko asks, perpetual stew, a food that instead of being cooked once and then eaten, continues to be cooked for up to 500 years while also occasionally being eaten, but not in its entirety.
0: So this is what I know about perpetual stool
2: stew. Perpetual stool, <laughs> <laughs> stool Gross. which also hangs around also for five hundred years. Good name
0: for this topic <laughs> 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 or for this podcast. Yeah, um, perpetual stew is something that um, Rachel, our friend Rachel,
2: made for a while. Yeah, um, and she's still alive, so it wasn't a terrible idea.
0: Yeah, I'm really intrigued by it. I'm also really like weirded out by it because, like. I've definitely had food that I've prepared go bad. I think you have to like cook it. I think you can like put it in the fridge for a while, but then you have to like cook it within like a certain number of days or something like that, and then it's like supposedly safe. Like, I mean, she didn't die. I don't even think she. But got she sick. didn't.
2: She didn't keep it up for five hundred years, though.
0: Well, she's not five hundred yet.
1: Maybe when I mean, is it? Is, the law is that if you can keep the stew going, you can live as long as the stew lives. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, wow. Can you imagine being like a caretaker for a stew that's like 300 years older than you?
1: I mean, that's, that, there's a lot of responsibility there that I don't think I could handle. So, so wait a minute. I, I need to know more about this perpetual stew. So, the, the idea that I understand is that you make this stew and then you eat some of it and then you put more of the ingredients in to kind of top it off and so, yeah. so you have some potatoes in there that were from the original batch, and then you have some new potatoes, and you might get one or another scoop. Um, I mean, the one thing that occurs to me that is is that like I feel like at some point the nutrients would just be totally gone.
0: Mm.
2: Well, you keep putting in new ingredients, right?
1: <laughs> right, but like if like- there's a, if there's a potato in there, then if you just keep cooking it, eventually it's not going to exist. If you don't get that piece of broccoli. Like, it's not going to have any nutritional value at some point. But the new broccoli will, right?
2: It'll become like a.
0: It'll eventually just become broth.
2: Like a homogenous, yeah, broth.
0: It'll just eventually break down and be part of the broth, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I guess I, I guess I, that does make sense. So what goes into a perpetual stew though? That's my next question.
0: Yeah. I remember, um, again, this is just me like remembering Rachel, like posting about this on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> so that's really like the extent of my knowledge of perpetual stew. But I remember her saying at one point she was like, yeah, I put some sausage in, but I just have to make sure that I like eat all of the sausage out of it. So like the like flavor of the sausage will stay in the stew, but like she had to like make sure that she ate all of the sausage out of the stew.
2: Oh, so you have to you have to be careful to eat it properly as so. well as
0: I think so, which seems like a lot of work to me.
1: I mean, is it delicious though?
0: I don't know.
1: That's I have the no real idea test. If
0: it's delicious. I mean, I am definitely here for stews and for soup season. I am ready for summer to be over. But also, it's pretty easy to just make up a soup in like thirty minutes and not need to do Die. all this work. It's a lot like sourdough starters, yeah, isn't
1: it? Yeah, that's what I was about to. I was about to mention. Like, it sounds like the same sort of thing where you just have to kind of feed it, and then when you use it, you give it what it needs to turn into bread, and then you bake it, and then you still have some left over.
0: So yeah. like I like the idea of it but also I just don't have the like mental fortitude to like do that. Yeah. <laughs> like I just you know someone gave me a sourdough starter and I fed it for like 2 weeks and never made sourdough and then I was just like, well, I forgot to feed it for like a month. Here we have.
1: Here we have this uh remnants of this thing that I tried and I I I made a batch of sourdough from a starter that I generated myself at home and uh, it was it was no good. So, never again.
0: I found a recipe for some, like, incredibly simple no need breads, and I made one, and it was amazing. It was so good, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Share me that. Are you still making bread with the bread maker?
0: No. No. We don't use the bread maker. We have the bread maker. But I'm I'm intimidated by the bread maker. Jim has made bread with the bread maker once, since we picked it up from you.
1: <laughs> I wish that I had thought to make more bread. While it lived in my house, because I mean, really, though, and Jim, I feel like we've talked about this before too. Just what, what you, what you're really getting with the bread maker is the smell of fresh baked bread throughout your house.
2: It's true. Well, that happens if you make oven bread too.
1: Really? Okay. But that involves like dealing with an oven. This is just throw in a bunch of stuff well, the, into a thing and then
2: yeah, presto, well, the real bread trick. The, the the trick that the bread maker does for you is the kneading and letting it rise and then kneading again or whatever you have to mm-hmm, do. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what you have to do. I just put the rest the you put the recipe in the, in the in the little bin. Like sometimes you have to keep some ingredients separate from the others. I forget what they are. It's actually like super simple. But but you found some no need bread which makes it just as easy. You're really just putting <laughs> all the ingredients in a little bin again and then putting the yeah. bin in the oven. So oh, no, basically gosh. all
0: I did was I like added like, I think it was water, uh, yeast, flour, uh, maybe something else. But if it was salt. something else, it was probably like salt. Um, and I stirred it all up and then I covered it with a towel and let it sit for eight hours. <laughs> and then I turned it like I put it down on some some paper and I mixed in some like cheddar cheese and some parmesan oh my and by gosh. mixing in I just oh. folded it like four times that was all I did <laughs> just folded that sounds it sounds
1: very very quick and easy and you said that this and was then I delicious just like let it
0: rise for another hour and then I stuck it in the and I stuck it in a hot oven then a, an oven that had been on for 30 minutes prior
1: <laughs> like a very well hot oven did 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 the cheese like melt inside or was it just kind of dispersed throughout
0: it um so i didn't do a great job of like dispersing it i probably could have done a better job folding it but it was still delicious so it didn't really matter um so like one half was a little bit more cheesy than the other (laughs) it was like a gradient of cheese um (laughs) But um I did like I did Parmesan cheese that was shredded and then I did cubes of cheddar cheese. So oh my gosh. you would like slice into it and there would just be oh. like bright like spot of orange and it was so delicious. Oh my ah, god,
1: it was so good. Can you send me this recipe?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. We'll we'll put it in the show
2: notes too.
1: Perfect. My uh my we'll send it to you, the listeners. Yeah. Excellent. My new oven is uh a pretty good oven compared to my previous oven, so I'm excited to do nice. some ba- I bake some delicious uh tilapia today for dinner want to bake our am just time.
0: remembering that one time when um we did like a christmasy t- uh, D at your place and you like cooked the most amazing meal oh yeah you made like you made like broccoli with some incredibly stinky cheese on top
1: <laughs> that sounds like me
0: yeah, and I was like, "What is this horribly stinky cheese?" But everything else was super good. So what was that cheese Oh
1: no, was it some?
0: I don't know. I thought it was stinky. Nobody else seemed to, but you know, everybody's nose is different.
2: That's
1: true. Oh, mine
0: is pretty straight nose, but when you're like Jim's got a little, his nose is kind of bulbous on the end. You mm-hmm. know, everybody's
1: got a different nose. Does it cause the smelling to be different?
0: I mean, I'm a I'm a super smeller, and Jim is not.
1: Ah, okay. This is why
2: I always change Winston's diaper.
1: <laughs> oh, it's a superpower, really. Be- being able to not <laughs> deal with the smells.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can change his diaper. It's just if Jim's there, yeah. he's kind enough to
2: deal with the poop for me.
1: It's, I mean... I get it done. It's a partnership.
0: It is a partnership,
2: for sure. The storm dancer, they call me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the poopmancer. <laughs>
2: Poop dancer.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> ah.
0: Oh, that was such a good D&D session. You and Chris and Carol got totally sloshed.
1: That sounds That sounds uh, like... Were the characters or...
0: No, the people.
1: <laughs> what was the session? Is this one of these sessions that I don't remember because...
0: I don't even remember. I just remember the food.
1: <laughs> there was a time, I haven't done this in a while, but like there was a time in the Oakland house when we were... Like any excuse I had to make an elaborate, ridiculous meal, I just jumped at. Man, now I now I wonder if I have the notes for what I because in the past I have actually like taken notes about what I'm what my menu is supposed to look like. Did I have was there pomegranate mimosas?
0: I don't think so. I think that there was like whiskey and oh, wine. That's,
1: that's right. Uh, okay. Now, now I now this is all coming back. Good times. I don't
0: drink, so I wasn't partaking in that particular indulgence, but...
1: It's it's just as well. I think
0: you did like ham. I think it was ham. Yeah, that
1: sounds about right. If it was around Christmas, that's what we would have done, so... Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, all this, we're rather far afield now, but uh, talking about food and stew and um, Christmassy themed things... It reminds me that I'm very, very excited indeed that it's about to be fall, which is my favorite season.
0: Yeah, and you actually get to live in a place where there's actual fall weather.
1: We have a giant forest behind us.
0: Oh my God, I want to come visit. You
1: should come visit. We have a we have a guest bedroom.
0: Oh, but we can't because of the, the COVID.
1: We just have to not talk to each other while you're here.
0: <laughs> I'll just hang out in your guest you just bedroom. Just hang out.
1: You cannot come out. You'll have to figure something. There's not an ensuite bathroom. You'll have to figure it out. It's uh, up to you.
0: You've got the forest. I'll just go in the forest.
1: Go on the deck. The, de- the deck is brown. The, the deck so you just fine.
0: painted.
1: <laughs> Did you paint a toilet?
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: No, no. I mean. I'll
0: just bring a shovel. I know about how. I know about these things. You just dig a little hole and you poop in it. I
1: mean, that's that's and what Robbie does. Robbie doesn't even dig a hole, he just goes in the backyard and. Does what he's going to do. Well, yeah. Pepper, too. So Robbie's
0: Pepper, a dog, so. That's true.
1: I mean, dogs I are. I've got a
0: little bit of a higher standard than Robbie. Dogs <laughs> are
1: nearly human.
0: That's true. Uh, I miss your puppies. They're so good.
1: They are loving the new space. I
0: bet. I bet they love the backyard.
1: That, yeah, absolutely. All are the Are you time. letting
0: them run free or, like, do you guys have a good fence?
1: We have a pretty good fence. Like, it's there, there's some sections that are kind of um, getting a little flimsy, but. Robbie's not as athletic as perhaps he used to be due to two years of just kinda hanging out in an apartment. <laughs> so so but but we do occasionally we see deer and he just goes ballistic when when this happens.
2: Sure. The idea of letting a letting a dog run free in the forest behind your house is powerful. It is yeah. we should make a game about that.
0: You know, we have an idea for a game about that.
1: Oh, right. Okay.
0: We even have a name for it. Not going to say it, though. because Spoilers. gosh.
1: Do I need to sign an NDA to continue this conversation? No, John. We
0: would never make you sign an NDA, but the listeners, we might.
1: Yeah. well, 500 of them. Everyone close your ears while we talk about this potential.
0: La, 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 (laughs) la. We should maybe... Oh, wait. We did do the write-in.
2: We did the write-in. All right. Are we ready for another topic?
0: Yeah, i I'm, I think I have at least one more topic in me.
2: Okay. John, yes. your topic is that strange feeling when you move to a new state and the laws around plastic bags are different. Another weird difference between places.
1: Whoa. So this one hit me hard today because I went to I, I went to a Wegmans grocery store for the first time. Are you familiar with Wegmans?
0: Uh, I think I've been in one once.
1: Okay. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect, but I walked in and it is basically some sort of palace of food. Like, it's just enormous. And that was a little off-putting at first. But also, so having previously lived in Maryland for two years, they don't sell any alcoholic beverages in grocery stores in Maryland. Although All the alcohol is sold by specifically designated stores that are accountable to the the state or something like that. Um, Virginia has a giant uh, beer and wine and and liquor section within the grocery store. Same as California, Mm -hmm. actually. But I was just like, I, it was just, it's kind of new. I, I wasn't aware that this is what it was. And then also in Maryland and in California, I got very used to bringing my own shopping bags because that's, Let's not use bags if we don't need to. Um, There's bag fees if you need bags. So, brought my own bags. And so, as I go with my cart and I have my bags out, as I'm putting my products on the thing, the cashier is moving so quickly and so efficiently that my bags are just not even noted by this cashier. And all this stuff ends up going into plastic bags, and I'm just like, wait, oh, and and like I, I for a moment I was like, do I do I step in and say, wait a minute, I've got I've got these, but that was like by the time I realized what was happening, two plastic bags had already been filled.
0: <laughs> Jesus, person is fast. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. I was I was just kind of I was not expecting any of this, and so anyway, that that's one example. Like the whole thing around plastic bag usage, the fact that it is different just across a state line is strange to me. But also just, I mean, I was talking a little bit earlier about how Virginia feels a little bit different from other places that I've lived and Northern Virginia in particular, again, like the rest of the, of Virginia is, um, I think very different in a lot of ways from Northern Virginia. So I, I was just, I, I wanted to hear any of your perspectives on like having lived in different places and, and the weirdness of, you know, you get used to how your life is in one place and then you go to some new place that may not even be very far away, but suddenly everything's very different. Um and Jim, I know you've lived in many places. I don't April, have you lived
0: in many places no, as well? I'm a California girl. California I, all I, the way. I briefly lived in New Jersey you could call it living, uh, while I was in boot camp. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> the rest has all been in California.
2: Yeah. I, I lived in a bunch of places, but like so many of them are so long ago that I don't really have good memories of them. And also like I am like really unself aware in many respects. <laughs> like it took me years to realize that I don't like the burritos in the Bay Area. <laughs> I kept getting burritos and like like maybe there's just something wrong with this one. <laughs> you poor thing.
0: We did find you a burrito place that you think is pretty dang good. We we did. And we, yeah. Yeah. And, the, and it's because it's got all the fat in it. What was that place? Maybe. It's
1: Jim, there's that place in El Cerrito or in Albany that you used to oh, like. Oh yeah, yeah, that place is great. But it's but not It's
0: not a traditional burrito. Yeah,
1: like it's like the places that I like
2: here are not like San Diego burritos, which I have talked to death on the podcast, so I won't go into details <laughs> about that. But um
1: let me grind this stone about San Diego burritos again. Sorry, go ahead.
2: I like Chipotle burritos. So like it's not like I'm I'm wanting for good burritos, but I do miss that one particular breed of burrito that you can only get in San Diego. Hmm.
0: We still haven't gone to San Diego together. Someday when we can travel,
1: yeah. Someday, one 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 day things will be different. We're bring our son there. Things will be better. N- Nan and I have been to San Diego together a couple of times, and I did not have a burrito while I was there.
2: Oh, no. Tragedy. It's okay. If you, don't, if you didn't grow up with it, I bet you don't like it.
1: I will not uh, ask you to go and relitigate what is different about a San Diego burrito from the rest <laughs> of the burritos.
2: <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll do it and then I'll cut it out of the show because I think I literally talked about it last episode. Oh, my
1: God. I don't want to
0: hear
2: this again. Okay. All right. I'll save <laughs> it's April <okay>. from <laughs> I, this. I,
1: I know a thing or two about burritos and I will, we will take the burrito rant. We will stipulate that it occurred.
2: Okay. All right.
1: So stipulated.
2: (laughs) We'll take this outside. (laughs) Right.
1: Um. Anyway, anything else strange about? I mean, so the other thing I was going to say about the strange feeling of being in in a different state and things being strange, other things like driver's licenses and car registrations. Like, how long can you register a car for in California? Like, is it just one year at a time?
0: Oh, just one year.
1: So around here you can register your car for up to three years.
0: Well, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I mean, maybe,
1: but also you have to do a vehicle inspection, which is oh, something yeah, that has to happen annually. And if your car does not meet these standards, then you have to get it fixed before you can get it registered.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's sort of the same idea as that we have to pass emission standards here, right?
1: Yeah. But it's just the the fact that each new place is just a, a new set of bureaucracy and a new set of how things are, are are organized yeah. uh, all over again. Um, and I don't know, like I, I, and I think the other thing about it is that like, I think it's only a few months that it's that strange. And after a while it just becomes normal again, but mm-hmm. for the life of me, having lived in California for 10 years, before I lived in California, I lived in Japan and it took me at least about 3 years before i felt like i was on board with what california was doing and that what was happening in japan was a distant memory so and so here i've just i'm still like thinking
2: do they drive on the left
1: in uh in virginia yes no they don't um, no, uh, yeah, I think in Japan they do. I don't know. I didn't drive a car when I was, I didn't know how, to, I didn't know how to drive when I lived there.
2: Oh, and that's a, that's part of the problem for me too, is I don't like, I feel like so many of these little surprising law changes are car related. And I also didn't learn to drive until I moved to the Bay
1: area. There you go. Like some places you can't do U-turns, you can't turn right on red. Weird. Yeah. It's just any, any new place is, I don't want it. I don't want all these all these new places. <laughs> just, I just want to be somewhere where it feels like feel home. I feel that
0: way whenever I go on vacation. I'm like, this is just too much.
1: Just spend, <laughs> like, the first couple of days just getting used to knowing how to say hello in, in yeah. the local.
0: Like, I remember we drove to Oregon, uh, to, like, Portland once, like, on a road trip. And I remember, like, like being there, like, the second day and realizing that, like, that i had I had like driven through at least two four way stops because <laughs> i was i because they don't write the word stop on the ground there
1: oh so they, they just, just have, the, have signs. the stop sign oh wow
0: and apparently, I much pay much more attention to, like, the words written on the ground than I had known. Um, and so, I, like, rolled through one and then, like, was like, oh, my God, that was a stop sign. <laughs> like, why didn't I stop? Why? I never do- don't stop, you know? <laughs> and, then, and then figuring out, like, oh, it doesn't say stop. <laughs> right. I have to pay attention for the red sign.
1: And then you go to the gas station and someone comes over and asks you how much yeah. gas you want and... And you're you're stricken with just what? What do you mean? What are you talking about? Let me get my own cast. Leave me alone. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was weird there.
1: lived in Oregon for a little while too, and that was another place. I we were Nan and I lived in Oregon like right out of college, and we lived there for only six months, and we just never got the hang of it. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, it was it was so just baffling. Like, it was so baffling that we decided to move to ju- ju- Japan instead. That's good. Can't stay in Oregon. I do. I mean, Oregon's fine, though. But but the road trip from California into Oregon is just like it feels like crossing into some different world.
0: It does. It really does. Also, California is so long. Oh my gosh!
1: It's a very very large state.
0: It's it's a long boy.
1: Indeed, not unlike Virginia, but but more so.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I really have to go to the bathroom.
2: Yeah. This is all the time we have here on Topic Lord. It's April. You go first. If this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet?
0: Uh, You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at AprilSaur, A-P-R-I-L-S-A-U-R.
2: All right. Go pee.
0: All righty. Bye, John. It's good I to talk to good you. Good talking to you. Yeah. Get some rest. I,
1: I will try.
2: All right, John. <laughs> if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, Well, in, in keeping with my mysterious self, he, here's what I will say. I, I want to do an experiment. And I will say, if you think you have solved the mystery of my identity, then find me on Twitter and send me a DM that says macaroni and nothing else.
2: <laughs> Do you have DMs open?
1: I, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. By the, t- by the time this goes on the air, I'll, oh boy, it's going to be exciting. Uh, this this get... contest
2: only available to people John follows on Twitter.
1: Right. <laughs> so that's how, you, that's how you'll know. Cool.
2: Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for being on Topic Lords. Thank
1: you for having me. Always a pleasure.
2: Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed Lords. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. You can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!